everyone, and welcome to the Girls with Vision podcast. Today's episode is with Sophie Sandberg, who's a gender justice activist, chalk artist, and founder of the popular initiative against street harassment, Cat Calls of NYC, which has gained over 170,000 followers on Instagram. Welcome, Sophie. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Sure. So I am a 24-year-old gender justice activist and street artist based in New York. Um, And really the main part of what I do is I run Cat Calls of NYC and I also co-lead Chalk Back. Um, So Cat Calls of NYC is a street art initiative against street harassment based locally in New York and Chalk Back is the global movement that's grown out of Cat Calls of NYC. And I can talk more about that, but that's what I do. That's really interesting. I've never seen anything like that. So how did you get into the unique style of chalk art? Because I've never seen that before. And how did you find out that you could use that to spread awareness? Yeah, honestly, I was just looking for a way to write down the phrases that were being said. I thought it was really important to share the actual words of catcalls because so many people say it's just words. It's no big deal. Just ignore it. So I really wanted to share the words themselves. And chalk was just the easiest way to do that. So I used chalk when I was a kid growing up in New York. Um, I knew it was inexpensive. I knew it was washable. So people wouldn't yell at me because it's not really considered graffiti. So it was actually just the most convenient and accessible way to write the phrases on the street. So why are you so passionate about street harassment? And what do you hope to accomplish with your um, program, Cat Calls of NYC and Chalkback? Definitely. So, I mean, I think why I'm so passionate about street harassment is because so many people have said to me that it's not a big deal or that I should take it as a compliment or ignore it um, and that it's not as serious as other forms of gender-based violence. And I really disagree with that. I think street harassment is an example of so many other forms of gender-based violence, like, you know, sexual assault and all, all sorts of stuff like that. It's just one example of how particularly girls and women and folks in the LGBTQ community aren't safe in public space and they're not allowed to just go about their days, do their chores, go to school, whatever it is. So it makes me really angry that people downplay it and don't take it seriously because it's a huge problem and it impacts so many folks who are marginalized in some way. Um, So I think that answered most of the question. Yeah, so when did this uh, program, Cat Calls of NYC, start, and how did you create it? Uh, like, was it just a one-person thing, or did you have a group of, you know, friends who were doing this with you? I started it in 2016, so like five and a half years ago now, um, and I actually started it for a school project. So I was in my first year of college, and I had an assignment. It was like a very general assignment to raise awareness about a certain problem and then document it on social media. So I just chose catcalling. I decided on chalk. I started posting on Instagram. At the beginning, it was just me and I was mostly sharing my stories or my friends' stories. Um, And then slowly it grew into a bigger thing. Um, So for the first like two years, on board Instagram page and started joining the team in New York and also started joining in other places around the world. Oh, that's really cool. Absolutely. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about the response you got when you first started this? Um, Was it like positive or was it a little bit like not what you expected? Sure. So there were both positive and negative sides of it. 
the positive side was people who would stop and say, this is amazing, you know, more people should be raising awareness and talking about street harassment. And then the negative side was both people disagreeing with what I was saying, like, in particular, some memories I have are men saying it's a compliment, getting angry at me for doing it and saying that they should have freedom of speech, all of that stuff. And then the most surprising thing was when I was a teenager starting to do this, I would actually get like hit on by men on the street and I would get like asked for my number or asked out to lunch. And it was so frustrating that even as I was raising awareness about something, I was continuing to face this like weird, like getting hit on and like not really harassed, but it was just a really weird and ironic outcome of the project. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about how Cat Calls of NYC has like evolved into Chalk Back? So how did they like, well, what are, what are the differences between the two organizations and how did you create both of those separately? Sure, so Cat Calls of NYC inspired all of Chalk Back and Chalk Back is now the umbrella term for all of the Cat Call accounts. So basically what happened is I started Cat Calls of NYC and then a few years later, it got picked up by the media. So like BuzzFeed wrote an article, um, there was something in the BBC, and all of a sudden everyone found the page and started to bring it to their city. So then there was Cat Calls of London, Cat Calls of Amsterdam, Cat Calls of Kenya, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, and now we call ourselves Chalk Back as the umbrella term for all of the Cat Call accounts. So really there's nothing separate about it. Um, it's just two different names, which can be kind of confusing for people. But yeah, Chalkback is the umbrella term. And then each catcall account is run by someone who lives there. So I run catcalls of NYC, but each separate account is run by, you know, really like a young activist locally who wants to address this problem. So I'm probably like one of the older people involved really with the project now. So you're talking a little, a little bit about how there is now more accounts um, that are for like different cities and stuff like that. So when did these new accounts start to come up and were, did, were you expecting like this kind of big outreach? Sure, so it happened in 2017, like at the end of 2017, right after the Me Too movement went viral. So there was a lot of discussion about sexual harassment. There was a viral tweet about Me Too. And that's when the media outlets started reaching out to me and writing about my story. Um, and that's also when people were finding it and bringing it to their city and starting up their own accounts. And I did not expect it at all. I was doing this, like I said, for a school project. I was just kind of doing it because it was something I cared about um, and because my friends said it was a good idea and it meant something to them. But I was so surprised that it turned into this global um, thing that people are doing. Um, and sometimes I still pinch myself because it's really cool. <laughs> So what's an important lesson that you've learned through creating these two different organizations? And yeah, what's like a big piece of lesson that you've learned? Yeah, I would say probably two things, um, like two lessons. And then also these lessons are good pieces of advice for younger activists who are just starting out with their activism. The first thing is that it's really important to do research and always be looking out for other organizations that have been around for longer, or that exist and are doing similar things to what you're doing, because the more you can collaborate and partner with other organizations, the more change you can make. Um, so I think when I was starting out with Cat Calls of NYC, I really wanted it to be its own thing. And, you know, I was really proud of it. But I realized quickly that you need to collaborate and partner 
and really work together in order to make change. So it's not about your individual thing. It's about making change with a bunch of different people. Um, and then the second thing, I mean, okay, now I, now I forget what the second thing was that I was going to give advice about, but um, I have another thing, which is always how important it is to take care of yourself when you're doing this work. So that's something I've learned running Cat Calls of NYC and Chalk Back. It can be really exhausting and tiring work, especially because it's all volunteer-based. Um, so it's so important to take a step back to take a day off from social media, to take a day off talking about street harassment. You know, you can't just focus on these big issues all of the time. Um, so that's something I've learned and that I would definitely pass on to other young activists, the importance of rest and taking breaks. When did you start realizing that there was this connection between art and activism? Because I feel like those aren't really put together sometimes. And I think it's cool that you did bridge them together. So when did you realize that there was a connection? And um, yeah, how did you like foster that connection? Yeah, sure. So I was actually really inspired by an artist named Tatiana Fazlalizada, And she started a project called Stop Telling Women to Smile. And what she does is also a method of using art as activism. She actually draws portraits of women who have been harassed and then writes captions like stop telling women to smile, my body's not yours, all sorts of things. And then she posts them up in public space. So I was really inspired by her and other public artists using the streets and using public space to raise awareness about an issue. Um, so really I learned from them. I learned from other like muralists and street artists and saw the ways in which they were able to like use the street to make change and address an issue. Um, and then, yeah, I started doing that with Cat Calls of NYC and I could just feel how powerful it is um, because I was used to getting like harassed in the street, but then when I go out and I use colorful chalk and I'm creating something in the street, it's a very different feeling and it feels very empowering. Um, so I think the power of using art as a form of activism, it's really cathartic. It feels good to create something and to make art. Um, and empowering. And then also there's the aspect of it being in public space where you're actually literally reclaiming a space where someone was harassed to create something beautiful. Absolutely. So can you tell me um, what are your like goals for Cat Calls of NYC? Is this your main project right now? And if so, what are your goals for it for the future? Definitely. So, I mean, Cat Calls of NYC is always growing. So right now we have like 35 volunteers all around the city who are chalking in the different neighborhoods across New York. Um, I would say my goal is to keep it growing and also to be able to provide small stipends to all of the activists involved in this work. I know like right now we've raised some funds for chalk, but we don't have a lot of funding to run events or to reimburse activists for their time or for travel. So that would be a really important thing going forward and one of the main goals to make the work in New York more sustainable. Um, and then for Chalk Back too, I would like to continue expanding and reach out to more activists around the world who can bring a cat call account into their city. Um, that way we can provide um, more awareness all around the world. Yeah, so what's like a common myth or stereotype about gender justice and street harassment that so many people believe? And how do you use Cat Calls of NYC and Chalk Back to try to combat those stereotypes? That's a really good question. Um, I would say probably the main stereotype that 
I've heard so many times is one that I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is just this idea that catcalling isn't a big deal or it's not a serious form of gender-based violence. Um, because in reality, when you look at statistics about street harassment, it often escalates. It's not always just verbal behavior. It can often escalate to physical harassment and other forms of violence. So not only is people saying, you know, it's not a big deal, blatantly untrue, it's also really harmful to folks who are experiencing it and are being harmed by it. Um, so with Pat Calls of NYC and Chalk Back, we're really trying to shine a light on how harmful the behavior is and show people that it's never acceptable. Even the smallest comment that is sexualizing or objectifying someone in public space is not acceptable and it's not okay. Um, so we're really, yeah, trying to get rid of this idea that it's not a big deal. Do you ever feel that you're not getting the attention that you deserve on street harassment and like spreading awareness about these issues? And do you ever feel like, do you ever get unmotivated? And if you do, how do you try to, you know, build yourself up and keep going and keep spreading awareness? That's another great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say what's difficult sometimes is even though Cat Calls of NYC has like 170,000 followers, like 90% of those followers identify as women. Um, you know, Instagram doesn't really give you an option to identify beyond like a binary woman or man. Anyway, that's their problem. Um, but I think it's kind of disappointing to see the fact that there aren't a lot of allies who are getting involved. So the majority of our community is people who have actually faced harassment and wanna make change. But what's disappointing and discouraging is that people who don't face harassment, who are typically men, um, aren't getting involved and aren't wanting to help enough. So that frustrates me. Um, but for the most part, that's really outweighed by the fact that so many people wanna get involved, so many people care about this issue. So really there's so much positivity that that gets me over those points of being discouraged or feeling like there aren't enough people involved helping out. Yeah, so with your large social media platform, while, you know, you said 90% of them are women, you still have like uh, 170,000 followers. Um, do you think that helps spread more awareness than the chalk art? Or do you think it's um, more like chalk art based? So which one do you think social media or the actual chalk art helps spread more awareness? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I would say they do it in different ways. The Instagram platform, since it's mostly people who care about the issue, spreads awareness or like builds a community for people who have faced harassment for the most part. And then kind of also shows people who doesn't, who don't face harassment, what's happening. Um, so it is a platform to like educate people about the issue and raise awareness and build community. But then when we go out into public space, you know, someone doesn't have to be following us to see the chalk. So anyone can walk by and see the chalk. So even though we probably don't reach thousands of people on the streets of New York, the people who we do reach are more surprised and shocked. And we can have really interesting, productive conversations with them. Um, and I would say more people who stop and talk to us on the street don't necessarily think about street harassment or focus on it in their day to day lives. So we're able to educate them on it more. Since you are doing chalk art in such a public place, do you ever get harassment or resistance like purely for the fact that you are spreading awareness for the situation? Or is it more like people just walk by and don't really like 
say it, say any backlash? Yeah. So we get a lot of backlash. I mean, like parents have gotten upset with us because they say children can't see this. This is inappropriate for kids. The police have gotten upset with us. One of our members was arrested for chalking an instance of harassment outside of a school. Um, another police person like had me wash away my chalk when I was in Union Square in New York. So we do get a lot of backlash from authorities, from parents, from people who are upset by the vulgarity of the words. And that's always really ironic because we're just documenting something that's already happened. And then they see it and get upset by it and get upset with us. But that's not the point. The point is to get upset at the harassment and to raise awareness about it. So yeah, there's lots of backlash. Yeah, so lastly, what's a piece of advice that you would give someone going through the same thing that so many other girls are going through, you know, street harassment, especially at the young age of even like 10, 12, 13 years old? What's some advice that you would give? Because I mean, I feel like so many times girls don't really know what to do because they think it's normal and they have no idea that it's actually like, you know. Yeah, definitely. I would say what you said is so important. They think it's normal. So the first thing that I always tell people is that this is not normal. This is not acceptable and you shouldn't have to face this. So whether it's like speaking to a friend about it or speaking to your family about it or going on Instagram and talking about what happened, there are so many different ways that you can talk and share what happened rather than just sitting with it and thinking it's normal or thinking it was somehow my fault. I remember when I was 15 and I was getting harassed a lot. My dad actually told me that it was, I should cover up more and like not wear as many dresses. So I think there are so many things that tell young girls in particular that it's their fault. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And if there is anything else that you want to, you know, put out there for girls who are going through the same thing, any last pieces of advice? Um, yeah, I uh, think that would be great. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and if anyone wants to follow Chalk Back, then they can do that on chalkback.org. Um, and we're always looking for new volunteers. Today, we've been joined by gender justice activist, Sophie Sandberg. Thank you so much for joining me, Sophie, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks.